As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. I am Zach Jackson. I am your host. I am not a puppet. Um, we know the season's over for Baker Mayfield, who's undefeated on Twitter. He's 2-3 and three against the AFC North. And uh, we've got some things to talk about. There is a game on Sunday, but I'll just say to the football gods, I'm just asking you for one thing. I don't know if you're still mad at me for running out of bounds the way I did when I played 12-year-old football or if I did something else along the way. But I, I love football. I love you football gods. Um, I watch your games. I worship the game. I try to learn the game all the time. I enjoy being around the game and the people around the game. I, I just ask you for one thing here. Um, please, could I get an adult as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? Please, that, that would be helpful to the Browns, and it would just be helpful to me. So, um, Week 18 Sunday, Case Keenum, an adult, uh, will start. Uh, I think it's fair to wonder – on some level, why not let Nick Mullins play? I mean, this is the guy that engineered one of the only successful fourth quarter drives of the entire season. Um, it's an it's an opportunity for Keenum. We don't expect him to be here next year, and uh, you know, put a little tape out there. I think that's going to be the theme of the game. I don't think anybody's trying to tank, but the Bengals aren't playing their guys. <laughs> they have a bunch of guys on the COVID list, and they're not playing Joe Burrow. They have a playoff game in a week. You know, the Browns don't have any reason to play their guys, especially ones who are injured or a little bit injured. I think both teams want to run and get the heck out of there, and we'll see. You know, um, I think uh, you know I'm not a huge believer in momentum carrying over. There's too much change here, guys. This is a million dollar game played by adults, or at least mostly adults. Um, do I think Chase McLaughlin needs to make some field goals for his own confidence? Sure. You know, are there young players who will get the opportunity to play and put some play on tape either for the Browns or for other teams? Absolutely, and, that, and that's a part of it. I mean, you heard Case the other day say this is an NFL game, like. Guys are trying, guys are competing, guys' lives are at stake, and guys are trying to better their own situations, and that's what it'll be. Um, but to think that anything is gained from the Browns winning the game, and they probably will win the game because it's against Brandon Allen and the, and the Bengals' backups, no, it's not. That's an ancient thought. It's just an inaccurate, incorrect thought. Um, the season's a mess. I asked in an article the other day, you know, what kind of level of dysfunction are we dealing with here? 
is you see the quarterback take to Twitter and fire that off, um, you know, maybe it's a pretty high level. Look, there's lots of lots of lingering questions of why the Browns put him back out there. Just how hurt was he? Um, what the hell was the game plan the other night when you let the guy get sacked nine times? Where is this coach of the year from last year? Right? Um, can this quarterback only succeed if everything's perfect, including the blocking right in front of him? Can he see the guys right in front of him? <laughs> I'm not trying to make this about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is who he is. He's shown you. He's started 60 games in this league, guys. He's shown himself in and around the building for a long time, around the city. I understand he was a conquering hero in 2018, and everybody was on board, myself included. Because we've watched a lot of shit football. A lot, a lot, a lot. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the future. Nothing. Nothing. Bring an adult in here. Uh, I don't know that you can find somebody good enough to win, help you win the Super Bowl, and that's the goal. I mean, when you look around the AFC and you see all these guys who are galaxies better than Baker Mayfield and who are younger than Baker Mayfield... You know, if, if there were a bunch of guys, it'd be easy to get one, right? Um, but the Browns have a good team. And if you trust in Barry Stefanski, Deep Podesta, I do to, to a large extent, then, then the Browns can be back winning as early as next year. The Browns can make some tweaks and get the most out of this core. This should have been a playoff team. It's not. It's disappointing on many levels. There are many reasons it does not fall all at the feet of the quarterback or the head coach. Those are the guys who always take the blame. The head coaches. By nature, by design, by speaking, um, is going to, and, and a lot of it does, right? There's still really good players on this team. That's where it starts. Um, they're two years into a program. They've never really gotten three years into a program. That's when, in theory, it gets easier to draft guys for your system. That's when, in theory, the light comes on for your young players. That's when, when you go into free agency, which is the great unknown, you don't end up giving $40 million to Austin Hooper. You find guys who fit what you want to do, right? You think a little bit about the future, but a lot about here and now. So, you know, I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson will be realistic options for the Browns. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. We'll see how all that plays out. Uh, I would like Derek Carr to come in here. I don't know that the Raiders will trade him. But listen, whether you think he's, first of all, he's better than Baker Mayfield because almost every quarterback walking is. But um, he would bring a presidential air, an attitude of humility, of leadership, of focus, of professionalism. And if he delivered just once or twice in the last two minutes of a half or a game, that would already be an improvement. You could be a Super Bowl contender with Derek Carr. You know, if you can't trade for him and you have to go the Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota route, I don't know what happens. Um, we'll see. You know, certainly a lot needs to change with with every shape of the offense, and that's what you do when you you have a disappointment. Look, we, look, we've seen this group be up. We've seen this group be down. Still going to bring back the core of things. Still going to have a chance to have one of the great running games in the league. Going to have a chance to revamp the pass game, um, even if Baker comes back. And there's a chance that happens too. It certainly feels like right now, but you know, none of these decisions, none of this feeling is going to be based on one hour or one day or or one game. Even though since really October, this offense has been bottoming out, only to really crash in December. Um, we'll see. But like I said, when your core is Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and JOK and Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward, and they've already invested in Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, and obviously heavy investments in Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin, um, you know, and you have Kareem Hunt for at least one more year, you feel like you're, you're bringing guys along, the Harrison Bryants, the Richard LeCounts, the Grand Delpits of the world. 
you know, you, you can win. You can get to the playoffs. You're always going to need to evolve. You're always going to need to execute. You got to throw passes and you got to make kicks. That's what playoff teams do. The Browns didn't do either of those this year, right? Um, teams are going to take away what they think you're best at or what they think you want to do. You have to counterpunch. You have to convert third downs. You have to get off the field on third downs. The defense has done that recently. It didn't do it in the first half of the year. I just go back to that Bengals game in Cincinnati. It looked like last year, didn't it? The Browns were aggressive. The Browns created big plays. When the Browns got a turnover, they went for the kill shot. It worked. They turned it over in the second half to Nick Chubb. He made one guy miss, and he turned on the Jets like few guys, 230 pounds in the world, can do. The defense swarmed that day. Obviously, Denzel's 99-yard interception return being the highlight. They got some sacks. Burrow didn't finish the game. Brandon Allen finished the game. That looked like last year's Browns. That looked like what this year's Browns were supposed to be. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Clowney, with Njoku, with Hooper. I think the Browns are really onto something with JOK. Um, they, you know, need to see further from Jacob Phillips, need to see better from John Johnson. But over the past six weeks, this has been a top five defense. So it's it's a shaky special teams unit. It's been an it's an offense that you feel like has really good pieces and hasn't had good results. Um you know, this is a no-excuses league, so the Browns were banged up. So is almost everybody else. Did the Bengals staying the healthiest team in the division play a huge part in them winning the division? Absolutely it did. Absolutely it did. But everybody deals with injuries, with changes, with close games. you got to win them. There is not a free agent or a draft pick out there that's going to allow you to win 10 games by 17 points. you got to execute in the fourth quarter. you got to throw the ball down the field. you got to catch the ball. You have to take the ball with three minutes left and play with confidence. Not throw it to the other team. Throw it to the right guys. Get down there. Set up a field goal or go for the touchdown. Guys got to catch it. Guys got to get open, no doubt. You have to see them when they're open. You have to win on third down and in the last three minutes of a game or you'll never win in the NFL. You'll end up firing off angry tweets. I just, I, I don't know. I could keep going. It is what it is. This is disappointing. This is dysfunction. It's not what anybody wanted. Pretty fun last year to cover a successful team, a playoff team, even though we're afar from Zoom. It's frankly sucked the last month as COVID has hit the Browns and taken away the restrict, you know, added restrictions to all this and all of that. Um, you know, I, I I understand being mad about leaving James Hudson in one on ones for a number of times and James Hudson just getting his lunch fed to him by T.J. Watt again and again. That's bad football. I don't know what happened there. The coach failed. The offense failed. That's a theme of the season. I also just don't think that, that you guys can watch these other games. And I see these quarterbacks in person, these young, really good quarterbacks. I watch the ball placement. I watch the presence. Then I sit and watch them on the internet, on their press conferences, in their on the games, on TV, and the interactions like everybody else. They are galaxies better than the guy that the Browns selected number one overall in 2018. My dog is barking because she's with me. That's right, Molly. Let's preach it. John Dorsey had the number one pick in the draft, and he selected a six-foot ticking time bomb. And boom, here he is four years later. Your franchise doesn't have a quarterback. It's really hard. Really hard. It stinks. It stinks. They got to go get one. The pressure's on you, D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski. I mean, I think Kevin's body language indicated all year he didn't have a quarterback. Time to go find one. We don't know who it's going to be. We can argue about it. We can talk about it. They're not going to share. I don't think they helped themselves in any way this year with their inability to or their reluctance to answer any question with a little bit of openness or honesty. Did it really matter in the results? No. Comes down to blocking and tackling. Comes down to throwing passes and making kicks. The Browns didn't do either. The blocking wasn't as good as last year. The tackling was great down the stretch. The Browns missed the playoffs. The Browns have to regroup. 
but they're in much, much, much better shape. I tremendously believe that than they've been at any time. It has to do with the roster. I think there's still smart guys in charge. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be instant. But you got to think about winning the Super Bowl. And that's just one reason you have to upgrade a quarterback. Please go get me an adult a quarterback. Please, 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 please. Please. Do it for me. Do it for all of us, for all you listening. Thank you guys for reading, for listening, for tweeting, for hanging around. It's supposed to be fun. For parts, it is. Man, training camp feels like a long time ago. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, let me do some asking Jackson questions here. Let's, uh, Molly, shut up. Let's, um, do a quick search here. I thought I had it pulled up on my phone on my Twitter, but I didn't. So bear with me for just a second here. I'll do these. And then what we're going to do is I did the Bengals podcast with my friends, my colleagues, uh, Jay Morrison and Paul Daner. We talked to little Browns. We talked Bengals. We talked to state of things. We'll put that on the end. If you want to keep listening, fine. I appreciate it. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, Question from Nick Chubstan asking Jackson, I'm wondering when we should expect one way or another a decision on whether Baker be back next year. As you noted on the last podcast, it seems like a decision will need to be made one way or another. So I was just wondering when that would be weeks or months. Um, you know, I, what I said, or at least the way I remember it is that, that like, yes, I, I understand the only counter argument to keeping him is what's your better option. And there's no guarantee they can, they can upgrade just from a, a talent skill level. Right. Should be, but there's not. Um, but the flip side to that is if you're ready to move on, you're ready to move on. And anything you do here, including bringing in a Trubisky or a Mariota as a backup, as an insurance policy, you have to think about the fit, the personality types, the guy who you wouldn't give a contract to and still your starter knowing he's probably not going to be the starter, so all that. So the decision here, because the Browns don't have many options, because there's no way that Mariota or Trubisky in free agency is their number one option, it's going to come down to who's really available. What's the asking price? What are you willing to pay? How bad do you want to do it? So we're talking months. Uh, the league year starts on or about St. Patrick's Day. So we're talking 10 weeks um, is the answer there. Um, let's see here. Sorry, someone is clicking in. Um with this cute question from Ken, with this QB draft class seemingly not great and uncertainty about who the Browns could trade for, would there be an argument for trading this year's first rounder and building draft capital for 2023 when a better option might be available? Sure, Ken, um, but you're trying to win now. And like, if you're looking at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and you know whomever else may be in that class, sure, you, there's no guarantee you'll be close enough even with two first rounders. So I like the thought. Um, you know, a part of the thought of even trading for one of the the, the A guys and the, the A list guys in this group 
if you could get them, is that analytics-driven front offices, you know, first-round picks are gold. They don't want to lose them. Um, now, obviously, if you're getting a chance to win and you're making yourself a contender, that that's different. But we'll see. I, I trust that these guys will exhaust every option, and I trust that for weeks now the work has been done. And, you know, they'll take some time off eventually when the season evaluations are done. They'll, they'll clear their heads and they'll talk about it. And um, we will see here. Maybe there's another question or two. Nope, just a tweet from Joy. I'm despondent. <laughs> Not a question. Anyway, I did a uh, – there was like 184 questions to me in the live chat, and it's on the app. Uh, the link's on my Twitter. Go back and look. So, again, thank you guys all year for listening. Oh, one, one programming note before we play this this other thing here. Um we're not Jason and I are not going to do the standard immediate post game because the game really means nothing. We're going to take a day or two, let the smoke clear on everything. I don't think there's going to be major organizational changes, at least not immediately. I'd be pretty stunned if the GM or coach is fired, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but we're going to, we're going to let things clear out, settle down for a couple of days. Then we're going to reflect on that. And then we'll talk about the off season, the podcast schedule, things we're going to do like, you know, barring something crazy happening, I probably won't write about the game on Sunday. We'll write about the future, and that's what we've been doing. So um, I encourage you to come back on Friday. Uh, maybe it's Friday by the time you listen to this. I am writing a column on Doug Deacon. He is the Cleveland Brown forever. He's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, it's a true honor to call him a friend. It's a true honor to have soaked up his knowledge and his personal insults over the years. I love the man. I hope that reflects in the writing. And I think if you just go around the Twitter sphere and read what other people have written or said, and Doug's done a, the, the lap on the local radio this week, deservedly so. Enjoy that. So thanks for listening to Civilized Barking. And uh, again, we'll, we'll play this, the clip from my Cincinnati appearance on the Cincinnati podcast if you want to keep listening. So that's that. All right, we're going to head up to Cleveland right now and talk to one of our favorites, Zach Jackson, who covers the Browns. Uh, how are things in Cleveland today, Zach? Oh, for me, they're okay. Um, for the <laughs> Browns, you know, it's really cold today. Everybody's getting ready. No, it's it's been an interesting season. Um, I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate being called one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> I'm happy for you guys getting to cover, uh, you know, an exciting season. You've se- seen some stuff, right? We have. And, um, you know, just – Strange year in the division, strange year in the AFC, and a strange year here in Cleveland, which makes, you know, 17 of the last 20. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where I was going to start. I mean, I was going to start with a very simple question, which I'm sure will elicit a succinct response. Uh, What in the hell went wrong this year? A lot did, mostly the offense. You know, they brought back all 11 starters and really the five next contributors. Um, from what was a good offense and, and at times a great offense, right? So there were high, high expectations and it just never clicked. Um, that game in Cincinnati in mid-November was such an outlier. That was what the Browns did last year, which was get aggressive off turnovers, which was run and pass and then you know create the one big play to break it open and turn it over to the running backs to just deflate you and defeat you in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they had injuries, they obviously had turmoil with Odell. Um, they they had a couple games early in the season where they outplayed the Chargers and Chiefs for two and a half, three quarters and didn't get it done in the fourth. And then they just hit a wall. Um, from weeks six to 17, they scored over 17 points on offense three times. Or 17 or more, three times. And 
what made that worse is the defense didn't really get good until the back end of November. So they went to New England the week after Cincinnati and they just bottomed out. And that was a turning point for the defense. You know, the guys really stepped up and it, it's become a top five, top six defense. But there was no offense to match. Um, then they had the COVID stuff in December. And it's just like, yes, they only played a few games with their full roster and what they envisioned. And yes, there, there have been some positives, believe it or not. I mean, this is still a good team. This is still a roster that people would take going forward. Like three quarters of the league would still take this roster, but not all the lights came on at once. And they certainly didn't stay on when they did. You know, that, that stat's kind of amazing. I, I only went back to the Bengals game, and I, I noticed that they were averaging 14.9 points per game since that Bengals game. That's what I was going to say is, you know, make it a pie chart. Who's who's Who takes most of the blame for that? Is, is it Baker? How much of it's Stefanski and his play calling? How much of it is other? Yeah, Jen, you know, those are the two who take the most blame for it, right? And they were averaging 28 a game when they had Hunt and Chubb for the first five weeks. And then they both had injuries and then they both had COVID and um, the line wasn't intact, but yeah, you know, it's going to fall on the head coach and the quarterback and the quarterback just bottomed out, right? For a while you were say, well, at least he's not turning it over. Well, he doesn't throw it down the field and they don't scare anybody, but at least he wasn't turning it over. And then in December he started turning it over. And then the other night, um, you know, which, which to me has big asterisks because they were eliminated. I don't think one wanted to pin each other much, right? Which which I get. And then all of a sudden, for as poorly as they played, they were still in the game and they weren't playing Nick Chubb. I mean, they were throwing. And when a quarterback gets sacked nine times, well, it's not all his fault. Um, it's like, what what are we what are we doing here? But guys were open. He didn't see them or couldn't see them. He missed guys. You know, Odell quit the team in the middle of the season. Jarvis was hurt for three quarters of the season. And, and Jarvis Landry is just so important when he's healthy because he blocks his butt off. He catches almost everything, even though he faltered in, in the first loss to the Steelers. But he would just catch so many six- and eight-yard passes and turn them in, you know, get four extra yards or sometimes eight or 20 extra yards. And without that element, I just felt like they were never able to really get that rhythm. And and Chubb missed four or five games and – you know, he's he's run really well in December, but that 70 yard run in Cincinnati, there was just too, too far, um, too few, too far with those. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's that good. Like you expect that, like Nick Chubb is one of the three best running backs in the game. I think Nick Chubb is one of the 15 best players in the game. There's just not many guys who are 230 pounds and break away from people like that. But w- without the pass offense, without the situation to really feed him and allow him to do that. Those just weren't there. And um, like I said, I, I I had qualms about handling this and taking the next step, but nobody saw the offense bottoming out the way it did. Here's the question then, is what happens next with Baker Mayfield in the quarterback position? And I guess that's the million dollar, well, a lot of million dollars actually, uh, question in Cleveland. But I mean, wh- where do you think it goes next there? Do they do they enter the free agent mix? Do they start getting into the, maybe they'll be the team to swing the big quarterback trade this year? Is Do they bring Baker back? I mean, wh- where could they go? Well, he's under contract on that fifth year option, 19 million guaranteed which is a hell of an engagement ring, right? But um, the Browns are not planning the wedding. They're just they, – they're not. So where do they go, Paul? They go into the trade market. What's realistically available and who and what is 
when the bidding war starts, you know, we don't know. Uh, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. I don't think Deshaun Watson is touchable right now. Does Derek Carr become available? Do you hold your nose and take Kirk Cousins or what's left of Matt Ryan? And are those upgrades? I don't know. Um, Certainly anybody's an upgrade for how Baker played for about half of the year. That's just how it is. Um, He was injured. You would like it to work. I think body language and the way the GM came out of the bye week and said he's healthy enough to win, we expect him to play better, and the way he crashed in December tells me he's not going to be back. I think – this little back and forth of passive aggressiveness with with the coach in the last two weeks tells me he's he's not going to be back. Um, you know, Baker's usually aggressive, aggressive, not passive aggressive, but he he's a man for many talents that way when it comes to picking fights. But hitting open guys is a different challenge. Um, <laughs> I don't expect him to be back, Paul, but I cannot put it at more than 40, 60 because I just don't know what the realistic options will be. And then if that list of realistic options is one or two or three or even 10, which ones are better? I, you know, I don't know right now. So yes, trading for Derek Carr is absolutely better. Yes. Saying we have this roster and we would trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson is absolutely better. And it would make the Browns a contender, but to sit here right now, three days before the season mercifully ends um, and say that those are realistic. I don't, I don't think that the, you know, the the percentages are small to me that those are realistic. And I think we'll just have to see over the coming months. But I mean, or am I, the rest of us preparing for another Browns quarterback search? Yes, because it's going to be a search where it's going to lead. I don't know. And if I was putting odds on it right now, I would have to still make Baker the very small favorite. That wasn't a small joke, by the way. <laughs> we don't do those in the Bengals Browns rivalry anymore. That's no, right. We, we learned poorly. from Marvin not to it, do that. very poorly. We don't do that anymore. We don't want little John coming back down here for availability. All right. <laughs> what, what a history. <laughs> you, you mentioned them not wanting to play Chubb that much. Was that a load management thing? I mean, it, do you think we're going to see some more of that? this Sunday or, or is it going to be full go for everybody that is available or do you expect a decent amount of starters to get half loads or maybe not even play? Yeah. Yeah. Jay, um, that's a good observation and not to go too deep, but like they, at the beginning of the year kind of had a plan laid out for Chubb and for hunt, right? They're both under contract, but these are still valuable resources you want to keep. And one thing that happened is stump Mitchell, the running backs coach and a really highly respected assistant coach, um, had some complications from some surgery and he missed a part of the year. And it's just like one of those years where it just starts snowballing. Right. And and he's not there. So yes, I think they looked and they said, we have Nick Chubb and he's 26 and we expect him to give us three or four more years of really good football. But why are we going to overuse him um, in Monday night in, in Pittsburgh when we're really not playing for anything? And I expect that to permeate. They've added some guys to the practice squad this week. Dearness Johnson, their third back who would be, a number two or even a one B back on a lot of teams is on the COVID list. Uh, we know case Keenum's going to play. Um, I don't expect Denzel Ward to play. I don't expect miles and Clowney to play their normal rotations. So um, I, th- this is very much going to be, and this is my read 
Um, this is nothing Stefanski will say, not that he answers anything about anything. This is very much going to be a third preseason game for the Browns, where most of the lineup is going to be in there, but not one risk is going to be taken. And the whole goal is going to be to get it over with and to evaluate some young guys. Um, because <clears throat> going forward, you know, they're they're still in pretty good shape cap wise, but they and they have some ways they could get a lot healthier cutting some veterans, but they need to have replacements and then they need to know how they're shaping it. Are you paying a quarterback 30 million or not? Uh, obviously would, would shape or reshape any team's cap. All the, all the jokes about the chargers and Raiders game being a kneel off. Maybe this game is more likely to be that. I mean, <laughs> the Bengals are in the same boat. They just want it over with and, and absolutely it, just get, yeah. get through it healthy. And um, I, I've got some, Boo trivia for you if you if, if you want to take it because I don't think too the Bengals and Browns aren't interested in this game that much so so why should we be um, more on the the historical standpoint um, since two thousand eight Ohio born players have scored touchdowns for the Browns in the Battle of Ohio how many can you name eight Ohio born players have scored touchdowns for the Browns yes. In the Since Battle of Ohio. Uh, I'm going to guess Charlie on a quarterback scramble. Yep. He had two, actually. Okay. Well, of course. But that only I counts mean, as one player. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ohio born for the Browns. Gosh. Denzel Ward with the touchdown return in the last game. Yep. Jay, you should have told me this was coming. I'd have had my caffeine <laughs> and I'd have had these knocked out so quickly. I can uh, give you the other ones if you don't a, want to go through them. It's a sad existence. That I leave. <laughs> um, did Darnell Sanders score a touchdown? He did in oh 2002. All right, I'm quitting on that. I'm the saddest. <laughs> Going out on top. Because listen, Darnell Sanders made like one and a half plays in his entire career. Nice guy. But um, me getting that, yeah, I'm going to stop right there with Darnell Sanders. <laughs> yeah, if I was power ranking the ones you wouldn't get, that would have been at the top. Um, the other ones were Kareem Hunt. He's had a, three of them. Yeah, that's an obvious uh, one. I'm dumb. Yes. Brady Brady Quinn had a run. Uh, Deshaun wow. Kaiser had a run. Joe Juravicious in 2007. And uh, Mark <laughs> Edwards, pride of Cincinnati Norwood High School okay. uh, in 2000. I really should have gotten them all except for except for Mark. And I, re- I remember Mark Edwards well, uh, but I really – Probably should have gotten them all except then. So shame on me, but my gosh, the Darnell Sanders one. What a sad existence. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any suggestions for what we can do Sunday in in the press dining area instead of watching this game? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there's going to – the good news here is there's going to be a celebration. Um, Doug Deacon's calling it a career. He's he's Cleveland's lap. You know, those guys know and and love each other. Um, He is the link from – not just, you know, the divide, division in the Browns pre-99 and, and post-99, but um, really the entire franchise going back. He's been with, I mean, for 50 years of the 75 of existence, Doug Deacon's been employed by the Browns, and he's calling it a career. So um, it was really a good good di- diversion by the Browns, although I think it was unintentional there. But no, I, like I said, I, I think um, I think you guys will be writing quickly and back on the road. Um at 71 South at a human hour, because I think both teams are going to run it straight ahead and uh, want the hell out of there. And hopefully the officials comply and we'll just see where it goes. But listen, Paul, here's what I need to tell you. Yeah. 
when you come to Cleveland and go to Swenson's, those are imitators. Those are franchise stepping out like the one down in Anderson now, right? Okay. Like <laughs> if you guys know about Swenson's and you go to one in Anderson, that's fine. I'm not trying to get Swenson's on my bad side. But when you want the Swenson's experience, you have uh-huh. to go to one of the originals, either the original in West Akron, which would only be a little bit out of your way coming north. Or like Kent, um, Chicago Falls, somewhere around there. That's what you have to do. Now I know I know Jay wants to go to Great Lakes, and that's fine too. But I just my, my friends in Cincinnati are like, we got a Swenson's, and I'm like, no, you don't. That's like saying in Cleveland, <laughs> we got a quarterback because you guys didn't. No, it's not. It's not how it goes. That's fair. I mean, it's exci- It was exciting to see it the moment it showed up on like uh, the story broke here that there's going to be a Swenson's. Yeah. I immediately had to reach out to you and be like, tell me about the hype because I I, I only know it through the, the the constant tweets about Swenson's and sweatpants from your Twitter feed. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm really excited to try it, but I, you're right. Maybe I will have to start at the original. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, get off on a bad foot here. Yeah. I mean, if it, listen, if, if I was actually going to bring you guys some to the press box, if we were going to have a four 30 or eight 30 game, but I don't think they're going to open at 8 a.m. for me to, to come up. So. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody though, it would be for you, Zach. Thanks for jumping on with this. I look forward to catching up with you in the, in the press box. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about. And uh, good, good luck with, with quarterback watch. It, that sounds like it's going to be a long offseason. All right. Thanks, fellas.